But this is one of the other tricks that most people overlook, which is you can be valuable to the investor regardless of their interest in your particular business. So investors rely on entrepreneurs for being able to connect to other entrepreneurs. That is the, when I tell people, what's the best recommendation you get in a venture capitalist? If you can get an entrepreneur who made the money to recommend you as a fellow entrepreneur, that's gold. That's the single best kind of recommendation you can get. Sometimes people are worried, oh, I'm going to use up my political capital. I'm going to use up my reputational capital. I'm like, no, no. When you get together with people and they enjoy that experience, it just increases your political capital and your reputational capital. So welcome to Blitzscaling Yourself. I'm Julian Newman. I'm building a new startup. And every week I come across one obstacle. Uh, Chris uh, helps me overcome it. Uh, Chris Ye is one of the world's most famous investors. Uh, he founded his own VC fund and he invests in some of the best uh, technology businesses in the world. Chris is mostly known as the author of Blitzscaling, um, the book that he co-authored with the founder of LinkedIn. The introduction to that book was written by Bill Gates. It's a core part of the cu business curriculum at universities like Harvard, Stanford, and Yale. Uh, welcome, Chris. Thank you, Julian. And I do want to note for anyone who is listening that you may hear a chirping noise in the background. That is not some sort of audio artifact. There are actually birds where you are, Julian. And I guess that means you're in a beautiful place with lots of nature, but it also means there's going to be a little chirping. Yeah, I'm surrounded by rice patties, which uh, I'd never seen rice patties before, but I actually went to pick some uh, vegetables the other day. Wow. They're, they're looking for uh, manual labor. So I went to, to do that uh, for a day, which was an interesting experience. Absolutely. Um, so what's the issue that you're dealing with or wrestling with today? So the question here is really like how to pitch investors or how to convince investors, VCs, to invest in your business. And, you know, what I'm trying to get at is, you know, not how to have the best pitch, but, you know, what's the actual optimal way to guide people to believing that your business is going to be successful. And... Uh, I'm, you know, at the very earliest stages of my business, so I actually don't know what I'm building. And there are opportunities which we unearth together to, you know, leverage that timing uh, to make my case that much more compelling. And um, so, so really, what we're you know, getting at is that, you know, the way to convince somebody to, you know, believe in something, to believe the evidence that you're giving them is to guide them over time, make them an ally and a partner rather than being, you know, on opposite sides of the table, bring them on the same side of the table. And, and a starting point here, Chris, would be if you could, you know, unpack or explain why is it superior to be on the same side of the table? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So we begin with three key things that we have to bear in mind. The first is the IKEA effect. And the IKEA effect is that that which we put work into, we value more. 
So when investors are working with you to build the case for your company, they're buying in. And because they're investing their own time, their brains are like, well, you're investing your time in this. This must be valuable. And so it increases the chances that they will invest. So that's one vector by which it happens. The other vector, which you mentioned, is it gives you a chance to tell your story over time. And anytime people are trying to invest in a new company or make any other change in life, it takes them time to get used to the new. And so by engaging with them over time, you don't force them to answer the question, should I invest in this or not? After a single meeting, you have the chance to build over time the case. And it also gives them the ease of changing their mind or adopting new attitudes because they have a longer period of time over which they can do those various things. So that's the second thing that helps being on the same side of the table. And the third thing is that people have this principle where if they do someone a favor, they're going to like them more. This is actually something that Benjamin Franklin first identified instinctively and applied. So when you do someone a favor, your brain says, oh, well, why did I do this person a favor? I must like them. And so if you could successfully get people to buy in and help you build your case and spend time with you over multiple weeks or even months, and do you perceive themselves as doing a favor so that they'll like you, these are all reasons why it's better to be on one side of the table. But the big caveat is they have to actually do those things, right? They have to actually spend the time with you. They actually have to devote their time to improving and thinking through what you're doing. They have to do you the favor. And most investors won't do that. They're busy people. They're going to say no to most such requests. So therein lies the paradox and the challenge. So the reason why the way that you pitch investors is by pitching them is that most investors, if they find that what you're working on is potentially interesting, will spend 30 minutes talking to you about it. And that's really all they're, they're, in, they're willing to invest in terms of their time because they have to look at a lot of potential companies. And you can't expect you know, to reach out to somebody you don't know who has no reason to believe that what you're um, working on will work to invest more than 30 minutes into your business. And that's why you would just go and pitch in a concise manner so you can cross that, that point. Uh, but that still remains a very suboptimal way of communicating with them. Right. And by the way, it's not easy to get an investor to agree to see your pitch, right? It's non-trivial. And so that is why building reputation, being introduced to them, having a, a, a set of accomplishments from the past that are relevant to what you're trying to do, having a very clear and concise way of telling your story, why all of these things are important. Because you have to do work just to get to the point of doing the pitch. And um, so since I am someone who has started businesses before and who has relationships with investors who are, you know, which are personal relationships um, and where those investors would, in, would put time into helping me, not just in the role as an investor, but also because of the relationship with me as a friend of mine. With some of those people, I have the opportunity to do things in a more optimal manner. Mm -hmm. And um, 
So, Chris, you're not a uh, you know pre-seed investor, so you know I can't the, the, like I wouldn't be trying to convince you to invest in any business. But uh, you know, obviously, you spend you know an hour, an hour and a half with me every week, right? Uh, and we're friends, and we've been you know uh, I mean you invested a little bit of money in my previous business, but we're we're, we're, we're close friends. So you would kind of be the optimal person assuming you were a pre-seed investor to do that with. And in that case, that totally optimal case, what should I do to be maximally convincing to you? So I think that if you have somebody with whom you have a very close relationship, I think you go to them early, even when you're like, I have a couple of instincts or it's an area that I'm interested in. And the value to that person is they're spending time with you. And they're getting to shape things at the very earliest stages, right? When you are just considering what to do, you're still open to a lot of different things. And every investor has areas that they would like to see more great entrepreneurs working in. So those are some motivations that exist right there. I think that to a large extent, the beauty of having that close relationship is you get to go early on in the process and you get to start building that relationship even earlier. And part of it is if you do a good job with this, you strengthen the relationship, right? Sometimes people are worried, oh, I'm going to use up my political capital. I'm going to use up my reputational capital. I'm like, no, no. When you get together with people and they enjoy that experience, it just increases your political capital and your reputational capital. So in an optimal situation, what I would do is that I would, you know, go see somebody, uh, you know, super early in the process and I don't really know what I'm, uh, you know, working on. So probably when I'm in the kind of like problem research phase or towards the end of that problem research phase, I'd say, hey, here are some inklings I have about a potential problem that I've learned about and I've gathered evidence on. And would you say that there's a business to be built adjacent to this problem? And what's your reaction to this potential problem? Yeah, exactly. Right? I think that's right. And part of it is also you may do it in an iterative way. At the very beginning, you're like, here's some problem areas I'm thinking about. What do you think? And then when you lock in on one, you could say, hey, here's the sub areas that I've been looking at. I think it might be relevant. You could take a, a couple of different approaches. Each of those meetings could be relatively short. Right? What you don't want to do is to say, okay, we're going to sit down and invest five hours right now when it's far too early to invest that much time or get into that much detail. And but so So this is kind of like the optimal situation. But in real life, most of your relationships are not like this. So... For example, our common friend, Ben Kasnoka, um, who's somebody that I know well, like I've worked with him, he was an investor in my last business, but, you know, um, I, I don't have, a, 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 you know, the same level of close relationship with him that I have with you, meaning, you know, we haven't spoken once a week for years. Uh, and to want to present something to somebody like Ben, I would want to have more evidence that what I will present is the right, it, it, it is worth his time. And what would you say is the bar for enough evidence to talk to somebody like that? Well, I think you need enough evidence to have convinced yourself. 
think that's the bottom line. You have to be able to go into that meeting with a fairly strong belief that you've identified the general area that you're going to go after and the general way you're going to do it. The details may not have been fully worked out yet. And in fact, that's part of how you can get that IKEA effect going by having that person help you with the details, especially if they have relevant experience. But the bottom line is somebody like Ben likes to view themselves as a rationalist. He's wrong. All of us are doing things based on emotion all the time, but he likes to view himself as rational. So he wants to have a good reason for spending the time with you. And that reason would be that you have identified an area, you're a promising entrepreneur whom he trusts to actually pursue things that are potentially valuable. And because he's an early stage investor, it's his job to find out about things super early on. He might even bring you into an accelerator program, which is probably the, the lowest cost way for a venture capital firm to get a position in a startup. And so there's a whole bunch of rational reasons why once you are convinced that you are likely to start a company in this area, that would make sense for an incubator slash pre-seed startup where you have pre-seed investor where you have an existing relationship to want to spend that time with you. Because at this point, you are a successful serial entrepreneur who's working on something, and that is something that all those investors want to talk with. So there's this kind of um, you know, point that you get at in your journey where you have confidence or you've convinced yourself of the kind of problem and of some form of solution. So you you're convinced you're going to work on this yeah and but you don't have the um and you have evidence that's why you're convinced but you do not have specifics as to what it is that you'll do or you're not you know clear on those and what's magical about this point is that there actually is an opportunity for this third party or the second party to contribute. That's right. It is pretty clear that you're going to do something and they have the opportunity to contribute. They may choose not to, but it at least means that the time they are spending, they, they, if they spend this time, will have the option to do more with you and that you will be more likely to take their money if they eventually offer it. So all of a sudden there's optionality and that is always very appealing to the investor class as well. And then really, you know, the, the optimal thing is to engage people at that time, yeah. really. Um, but people won't, most people won't, won't do that. So say in Ben's case, I know him well, we get along really well, we work together, so I, I can do that. But even for, uh, you know, other investors, like we had an episode, an uh, interview we did for the podcast with Hadley Harris. So Hadley, I know him well, we've worked together, but not as closely as with Ben, he's never invested in me although it's considered it, um, the, like, it's, it's not the same. And, um, then, and then you can get like further and further. And we discussed right. this guy, Ross uh, Fubini, that was another person who did interview with that, that, that I, 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 I don't really know other than through you guys. So the further we get from a personal relationship, really what it is is the more evidence I need to have to engage them. Correct. Because what you want is you want them to be interested so that you can now sit on the same side of the table and and work together with them. But you won't get there until they're convinced. And here's a great example. 
it's a matter of public records. There's no problem with me talking about it in a podcast. My co-author, Reid Hoffman, of course, one of the most famous investors in the world, far more famous than me, by the way, but thank you for making me relatively famous. Uh, Reid, famously, his first venture investment was Airbnb. And with Airbnb, what happened was he actually turned them down prior to the Series A. In the previous round, an investor he knew came to him and said, hey, you should talk with these Airbnb guys. And he's like, okay, what are they doing? He said, oh, they're, they're really formalizing crowd surfing, couch surfing. And Reed said, oh, that doesn't seem very interesting. That's not a very big market. So he didn't meet with them. And then they made more progress and a different investor then came to him and to introduce them for the Series A. Again, classic best practice, get a trusted intermediary to introduce you to the investor. And this person said, hey, Reed, you should really talk with these founders. They're incredible. And Reed said, well, I, I looked at this earlier. What they're doing is not really interesting. This whole couch surfing thing is just a niche product. He said, no, that's not what they're doing. They're doing an eBay for space, all physical locations. It's actually huge. And Reed's like, oh, well, that sounds different. Okay, let me meet with them. And so Reed set up an appointment. He met with them at the offices of Greylock on a Sunday afternoon. And he met the founders and they started talking. And two minutes into the conversation, Reed said, I just want you guys to know I'm interested. I'm going to give you a term sheet. So let's spend the rest of this time figuring out actual, hey, how are we going to build this company? How can I help you? Let's make this a full working session. It's a classic example of why it's important for the investor as well to get on the same side of the table. Because if it truly is something you believe is going to be a multi-billion dollar business, getting on the same side of the table and building that relationship is important for them to win the deal. But what is it that we take away from it? What we take away from it is having the evidence, having the credibility was so essential getting Reed to decide, hey, I'll take a meeting. Because earlier on, they didn't have as much evidence and the person that they tried to have introduced didn't do a good a job. Reed didn't talk with them. Later on, they had more evidence. The person did a better job of pitching Reed. Reed agreed to the meeting. Two minutes later, he's saying, I'm going to give you a term sheet. And of course, the rest is history as Airbnb is now worth nearly $100 billion and Reed and Greylock made many billions of dollars off the investment. But it is because the founders didn't give up. They tried the first time. It didn't work. They marshaled more resources, gathered more evidence, did a better job of telling their story, and it did work the second time. So what happened there between the first time they tried to talk to me and the second time is that they had gathered evidence. And since they didn't know Reed at all, Reed wasn't willing to invest any time. Um, until he saw some evidence. And, as and there was somebody with credibility guy, who went to him and made a credible case for why he should talk with him. Now, so that's kind of the, the kind of like general rule, which is people won't help you. Like people help you because they're your friend. Um, but as in, with their investor hat, they're looking for ROI. ROI for them is I'm going to invest time in, into to this business that might be a business I want to invest in because there's evidence they'll be successful. There's a way to kind of like get around this for people who might not have these pre-existing relationships. So even like for me, that they're investors whose input I would actually want because they, they they they've invested in interesting businesses. And they would be perfect, a perfect fit VC for me. Um, and I do want to learn from them authentically. And 
the way for me to get around the fact that I don't have a relationship with them and I don't have the evidence is to uh, make it so that it is in their interest to spend time with me outside of the context of the business. Yes, that's an additional thing, right? Obviously, trusted intermediary telling the story very well, that's always important. But this is one of the other tricks that most people overlook, which is you can be valuable to the investor regardless of their interest in your particular business. So investors rely on entrepreneurs for being able to connect to other entrepreneurs. That is the, when I tell people, what's the best recommendation you get to a venture capitalist? If you can get an entrepreneur who made the money to recommend you as a fellow entrepreneur, that's gold. That's the single best kind of recommendation you can get. Now there is, that's probably the primary way that you can be useful. There are other secondary ways. You could potentially educate them on a new area. So if a VC is trying to learn more about AI and you know a lot about AI and you're willing to take the time to explain it to them, they're going to be willing to take the time to spend it with you. If you are somebody who is really well connected, maybe even with potential investors or LPs, guess what? I've spoken with plenty of entrepreneurs who are like, oh yeah, well, how can I help you? I'm like, well, you know, I might need to connect with LPs. And if they have LPs to connect me with, believe me, I'll take that meeting. So there are other ways to make yourself useful because the most important thing is to get into that meeting. That meeting is what gives you the chance to get them interested in what you're doing. And I think I've connected you to potential LPs. Yes, indeed, uh, you have. That helped. There you go. I was smart about that. Bingo. So, uh, you know, like the summary of this is the ideal way, way to pitch an investor. And, and it's important to keep in mind that what you're doing is pitching them. You're always is pitching. To, is to take them along, you know, the journey. You want to do that as early as possible, but probably you can't do it as early as you'd like. And the more evidence you gather uh, that, that your business is worth their time, the more you know VCs who don't have another reason to help you will invest the time to give you input and to allow you to take them along this journey uh, that would hopefully convince them to invest. Absolutely. I think you've got it exactly right. And that's why it is there's a specific sequence of people that you meet with, right? You start off with the quote unquote friends and family. And if you're lucky, your friends and family include investors who are expert in these areas. And then you gradually go outwards from there, maybe the second order connections or people that you have a, a looser bond with. And then as you build momentum, you are then able to go all the way to complete strangers because at that point in time, it's obvious that there is a real selfish reason for talking with you. I've got to say, Chris, the, this is exactly why people need to like and subscribe um, because uh, like, it is this kind of like truism that you should ask for advice, right? Not ask for money. This is actually the, like, the, this is like, it's like, ask for money, you'll get advice. Ask for advice, you'll get money. Is like, everyone says this all the time. Yes. Yet, yet in the startup space, for some reason, people don't believe this to be the case. Like that is not the advice 
or what anyone ever tells you? Well, because there is nuance. There's nuance because yes, of course, it's easier to get money if you ask for advice and vice versa. But how do you even get in the room to ask for the advice? How do you even get them to pay attention to your email? All the work is done before you get to that point. And this is the type of stuff that only you can tell people. So that's why they need to like this video or subscribe to the channel. And I will uh, thank you for the time, Chris. I'll thank everyone who joined our live stream uh, for joining. Uh, thank everyone who listened to this episode for, for listening. Um, guys, please comment if you have questions. We love answering them. And the most important is to thank our team, Brendan, Jeremy, and Schloke, for making all this possible. Many thanks to the team and many thanks to you as well, Julian. And I will look forward to us gathering again on the other side of your trip to Thailand and my trip to Saudi Arabia and Oman.